six sides of school I fat in no for today I hit the radio dial and turn it up all the way I play Hey everybody and welcome back to the UK Hockey Fan Podcast. I'm Shane. And I'm Finn. And we're back with another special NHL shutdown issue. I think this is part six. I think so. <laughs> it's part five <laughs> or part six. I don't know. Um, but we're back. Uh, these are the special episodes that we're doing during the um, coronavirus crisis. And uh, when there's no hockey being played anywhere, including by us or the NHL or really anyone... Uh, we decided to do some short episodes uh, and just try and cover some stuff that might be interesting. Um, we should do a big shout out to the House of Hockey podcasts first off. Yes. So we um, we met uh, through social media. We met um, these awesome folks that uh, run something called the Hockey. Oh, sorry, the House of Hockey podcast. And um, they're out of the states, and uh, they got an f- excellent podcast going. If you haven't heard of them, check them out. Um, formats, I mean, sort of similar. It's just interesting stuff about hockey with a focus, I think, on the NHL. And um, they invited us on to their podcast, so we jumped on last week and uh, spent a good good old time talking with Ray Ray and Breezy from uh, the House Hockey Podcast. And it turned out to be, I think, a great episode. I had a lot of fun. What about you, Finn? No, yeah, it was really fun. It's always great to uh, talk to other people who love the sport, you know? Yeah, for sure. So we talked uh, talked a bunch about our podcast and our backgrounds and uh, a little bit about um, what hockey's like in the UK. So uh, great episode, House of Hockey Podcast. Check them out if you get the chance. Uh, you'll find them anywhere you find our podcast, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, some... Uh, you know, we've been sort of digging around and looking for things to do, keeping ourselves busy, um, because, you know, we're locked in here in uh, Oxfordshire in the UK. Uh, both of us are working from home at the moment, uh, both school and work. Uh, and aside from that, we're trying to fill our days by just finding other things to do. So, um, you know, Finn, what have you been up to? Uh, well, I've been shooting pucks. And I've been doing TikTok. Uh, I'm rebuilding a generator. I did some TikTok. <laughs> Uh, I painted some Muskoka chairs. Oh, yeah. I've been doing some TikTok. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very productive there. <laughs> yeah. Bit TikTok crazy. If you like um, comedy gold, uh, you check out the uh, UK Hockey Fan Podcast <laughs> TikTok account, and you'll see some absolute rubbish on there that you might find fun. I'm not going to lie. We made a podcast literally saying how much TikTok sucked not so long ago, <laughs> and now you've resorted to it. Turns out when you're climbing the walls and going totally crazy, TikTok's a thing. Anyway. <laughs> I think uh, it's the same with NHL players. You've seen those going around with people just doing random stuff on well, TikTok. Well, that's, that's what steered me towards it. I kept seeing TikToks from like NHLers turning up on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Which led me to the dark side of TikTok. Anyway, there's a bunch <laughs> of utter nonsense on there that I've been doing. Check it out if you get a chance. Right. Hockey news. Finn. I have a couple things here. One of the main stories here, we have uh, Dustin Bufflin. Oh, yeah, big buff. So he missed the entire season. Do you know this full story? No, well, remind us all. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, only do kind of key things. So basically, he suffered an injury at the end of not this uh, this season that we're technically currently still in. I don't know how long that's going to be for. Um, But the season before, he suffered uh, an ankle injury at the end of the year. And um, the the, uh, NHL, uh, sorry, the Winnipeg Jets staff. 
uh, f- like that they didn't um, find the true injury properly. They misdiagnosed him. Right. So he actually had like a broken ankle or something properly yeah, bad. Yeah. But then he like said it was sprained or something. Okay. And uh, basically he ended up having to go through way more therapy and stuff than he thought he was going to have to. And um, then and then he just didn't play the season. That's right. So he hasn't played the whole season, and um, they actually banned him from playing because he didn't turn up to training camp. Something weird like that. He was fined or something like that. Yeah, so obviously it's one of those things where there must something be a, a, a bunch of bad blood behind the scenes. Yeah, basically everyone's saying that he was really hurt by that kind of thing, and Bufflin's the kind of guy that would like t- almost take a grudge kind of thing and yeah. just not play. Yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, just recently uh, they've mutually terminated his contract, That's so he's right, now a free agent. So he'd asked, I, I think he'd asked to be released from his contract. And it, it is technically the end of the season right now. Yeah, yeah. No one really sees it coming back. But um, so uh, he's yeah. so they agreed to terminate his contract. Yeah, they've, they've terminated. He's his contract. available. There's rumors swirling around from a couple teams that are interested. Uh, yeah, I think I, I I don't have it right here, but I know that. I think Minnesota, Florida, and the Maple Leafs are interested. Which is why we're interested. Which is why we're interested mainly. I mean, we're going to talk to about it anyway. I'd love to have on there, on, uh, on Leafs. Is he, is he going to be as good though after missing a year? That's the thing. Who knows, right? Everybody's going to miss, you know, everybody's locked in their house trying entry to keep level fit by playing golf in, entr- their, in their living room. Eight-year eight entry-level contract at 750000 and we'll just leave it at that and just have an amazing right-handed defenseman. <laughs> yeah. Who knows what he's doing? He could be following my pr- workout reg- regimen, which is I've, keep, I've kept myself at the pinnacle of physical fitness by <laughs> dragging out the old Wii board. <laughs> so old. The original Wii. Not even the Wii U, the new one. It's the original Dude, Wii. Dude, that's state-of-the-art. It's still original. <laughs> yeah, you can do everything on there. It probably You can probably make it to Pac-Man and everything. It's probably in a museum somewhere. Well, yeah. All right. And also in our living room. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Other news? Women's hockey news. Yes. So I, I also, uh, this was uh, today. This is news today. Oh, right. Hot so, off the press. Um, yeah. So the NWHL, which is the remaining women's league, That's professional right. women's league, Yep. they have today announced that they are allowing Toronto to expand, uh, to, for, for a Toronto expansion. So Toronto is going to get a team uh, in the NWHL and it's going to uh, be there for the start of the sixth season. Okay. Uh, so this is big news uh, for Canada. It's the first Canadian team, I believe. That's awesome uh, to be allowed in the NWHL. Oh, that's really interesting. So right? it, if if you remember with the whole women's hockey, especially in North America, the professional women's hockey. Yeah. You've got the people who have been sitting out, and most of them are CWHL players because that collapsed. That's right. And basically, they're fighting for a better league for people. Yeah. And then the remaining league is the NWHL. And right. basically, it's it's almost a battle between who's going to get the best league first kind of thing, I think. Yeah. Because th- there are people that are standing up and trying to build the game that way, and there are people who are still playing and trying to build the game by playing the game. From within, yeah. And uh, it's uh, w- with the expansion of uh, to, to uh, Toronto and to Canada, especially, yeah. it, it seems like they're trying to uh, build it out in Canada now. Yep. And with the expansion of a new team, it shows that they must be progressing or getting some kind of funding from somewhere yeah which looks like they are close to coming to a better league yeah well that's great and so this in the his like if you look back over the history of the nhl oh you know this is exactly the same way that that all played out right was there there like were various pro leagues here and there that all sort of settled into some amalgamation of that looks the way that it looks today so there's they're obviously just going through the motions of that you know I'm pretty sure I, me- I remember hearing a story about uh, an old player's um, their salary bonus. So now, if you think of salary bonus, you think of the salary is only like two million, but the bonus makes it like eleven million or something. You yeah. Know? 
Yeah. Like for these crazy like Matthews minor contracts. That's right. The salary bonus is the main money because yeah. I don't think it properly gets taxed. I think I think there's something like, something like that. Not or exactly it, sure about that. Well, it, in some way, it's better for the players, I think, if they have all the team or something. I mean, obviously, the 13 million stands against the cap or whatever. Yeah. But it's better in some way, because otherwise, you just take the full term, I think. Okay. I, d- I don't know the full story about that. But anyway, there was this old player, uh, and his salary... And by old, you mean... Like, old-timer player. Old-time player, okay. I don't know. Um, but I remember he, his, he had, like, a 50k salary or something, which is nothing compared to now, right? Right. That's and not that long ago. I know, but it's, uh, yeah... So if you're thinking of like old time, like Guy Lafleur or something, they weren't making anything like that kind of money. You think? No, no way. More less than that? No, no, no. okay. They yeah. were making like 150 bucks a week. Oh, you think? And you get a or you something. get goal bonus yeah, of five dollars okay, a goal, and dude. if you got the fight, it was an extra ten bucks. Oh, you think? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you're you're from that era, so I'm not from that era. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, but I was uh, I was a little kid. <laughs> Watching it, I have done some reading, however, on the subject. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I don't know the full statistics, but I remember when I was a player and his um, salary bonus was like a hat or something. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah a, a new fur cap, a yeah. new fur hat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like that's totally, I can totally believe that. So that actually sounds like sort of Maurice Richard era type of story, you know. Where With his beard. You can imagine like whatever. a bonus was a new v- overcoat or something. With the yeah. referee sending him to the penalty box for... <laughs> The hair thing. Oh, yeah. Two minutes for looking so good. Grecian formula. Right. Okay. <laughs> We're all over the shop now. Right. One other. So, so that's cool. That's some good news there. A uh, little bit of real, genuine hockey news. Um, so, one of the things that I wanted to talk about that sort of ties together a couple of things that we've recently talked about or that we've talked about on the show in the past. Uh, we asked people to reach out to us and talk to us or um, tell us about their team wherever they are. And, the, and uh, on this NHL shutdown series that we've been doing, we've just dug into teams from anywhere, really, and uh, tried to learn a bit more about them and uh, tell, every, tell everybody listening um, something about a team they might not have heard about before. Yep. Tonight, it's the term of the Tavistock Braves. So, I went to school and played my first hockey with uh, a guy named Paul Gladding, and we're still pals today. Um, we talk fairly regular on uh, social media, uh, and, um, and, and just like I have you playing hockey, his son Zach also plays hockey. He's an excellent player. Yeah. Um, we're fans on the um, UK Hockey Fan Podcast. We are fans of Zach Gladding. And uh, he played this season for the Tavistock Braves. If you remember back in the beginning, he had a pretty horrendous... So this comes back oh, to yeah. thinking about Big Buff. Um, Zach had an ankle injury as well. We saw pictures of it. We post, it was so gross, we posted a picture was, on our was, social it media. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. One of those nasty, ugly ankle injuries. He came back from that injury and still played a, uh, um, a pretty solid season. And so he played for the Tavistock Braves. Tavistock Braves, if you know the sort of setup of um, certainly Canadian hockey or, you know, North American hockey, um, the Braves are in Junior C. They used to be a Junior D team, but they are now a Junior C team, which is one division below Junior B. And on a previous episode, or or previous episodes, I've mentioned, um, I've talked about the Stratford Culletons. Yep. Which is you know involves uh, Justin Bieber and all that nonsense too, and um, and so Stratford Cullitans, I think had Warriors. A, uh, so now sorry Stat- Stratford Warriors they're under their current uh, title. Um, I think Zach turned their eye uh, towards the end of the season, so you got a bit of attention from them. So you know looking forward to whether or not um, 
if Zach moves on from where he is at the moment next season, we'll have to see. Everything's obviously got thrown up in the air at the moment, but that's exciting. That's exciting for Zach. We we love Zach Gladding. He's a he's a really great player. Um, but ta- he played for the Tavistock Braves. Here's something about the Tavistock Braves. So Tavistock Braves. Tavistock is sort of near um, all the places that I mentioned growing up and whatnot in southwestern Ontario. Uh, as I mentioned, they're uh, members of the uh, Provincial Junior Hockey League, and they're a Junior C team. They used, uh, sorry, they're in the Doherty Division, which was formerly called the Junior C League. So still, and you think if you think of the structure, they're in the space where Junior C, C used to be. Um, now, really interesting. I'm looking at their website, and uh, their d- division includes other teams. And some of the other teams in this division are Air, which is the name of a place in Scotland. Delhi, which is obviously a place in, in uh, India. New Hamburg, obviously a place in Germany. Norwich, a place in England. Wellesley, a place in England. Woodstock, not only in England, but only about 15 miles from where we're sitting right now. And <laughs> then the only other one is Burford, which is actually the name of the town that we are sitting in right now, where we live. Yeah. So this Burford, that Burford in Ontario was named after the Burford that we're in at the moment. Which is interesting, right? So anyway, the history of the Tavistock Braves is they were founded in 1970 as a junior D hockey club. So that's what I was mentioning in the beginning. Um, and, and they got into the structure around junior C team in 2013. Um, they're league champions, and in, in, this is going way back now when I was still playing, 83, 87, 88. And then a big gap to 2008. And in 83, they were also the OHA Cup champions, which is interesting. So they've won some cups. They've had some had some silver. Uh, the rink is the Tavistock District Recreation Center. On one of the previous episodes, we talked about Dorchester Dolphins, and I think they play against them in some, whether they weren't in that list there, but I think that somehow they play against Dorchester Dolphins as well. Now, here's the most interesting thing that Paul, uh, uh, my friend Paul brought to my attention. Tavistock Braves is one of the many teams in North America who have as a logo uh, the representation of a native Canadian or Native American. So, um, you know, what sometimes over here uh, people refer to as an Aboriginal American or Canadian, one of the first peoples or first nation um, people represented uh, as their logo. And Brave, the, the name Brave, is usually attached to this notion of um, first nations people. Yep. Or tribes or whatever else. And so Stratford Culletons, now back to being warriors, also have a similar um, type of logo. And if you think about at the top tier, can you think in, in the NHL also has one? Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago Blackhawks. Now, here's the difference. Um, before I jump into uh, this, this is a slightly controversial topic. The difference is the Blackhawks, Blackhawks are actually the name of an actual uh, Native American tribe. So okay. they're called the Blackhawks, and that, in, in some arguments, sort of legitimizes the fact that they have a, the, a portrayal of a, of a Native American as their logo, yep. right? But then you've got all these people like Tavistock Braves and, and Stratford Warriors and that sort of thing who took on that, um, took on that logo in a time when you know, people in, you know, just weren't as sensitive to what these things might mean to somebody else. Yep. How, how they might, you know, alienate someone else by doing that. So the question is, um, and, and Paul quite rightly brought it to my attention, that sort of the question for a lot of these teams is, does having the representation of a native or, or first, uh, first nation person as your logo still have a place in 2020? Okay. And 
I'm not sure what the answer is. I think it's a, you definitely have to dig into each team on a case-by-case basis, look right to the very beginning of when they started having a logo like that, and try and determine why it is, and if, the, and if it isn't legitimately a sort of honorarium of some tribe or um, some person, maybe, then they're probably going to ask themselves whether or not that, they, you know, that they're actually a modern club. So what you're saying is basically unless they have some kind of connection which can be recent or in history or they or they're or they're like a really old team and their logo has been historically that you're saying that they would probably think about changing the logo. I think that the probably I mean I don't know you know I think they probably should consider it and even like you know just his, historically having a logo like of that representation is not good enough right. What I was saying is maybe in their history there's a connection to let's say that where they were located they or the team used to be have a huge representation of uh, first nation people on the team. You know, because okay, yeah, there's yeah. some amazing, amazing hockey players um, come out of um, First Nation peoples, and and um, and, and in particular areas, there um, it's more pr- uh, prevalent than others as well. So uh, who knows? But anyway, uh, without t- t- um, going any further into the con- controversial area, be interested to know what people think. I mean, if anybody wants to drop us a line about it and um, pop us a note on social media, we've had more contact from people on social media um, since the NHL stopped than ever before. So feel free to reach out uh, to us about that topic or any other that you want us to cover on uh, on the old podcast. Now, some people will notice that we haven't mentioned um, Scott Antcliffe joining us um, uh, yet. Scott normally joins us on a, on certainly on a normal podcast. He jumped on one uh, with us in the special series. Yep. He was also on, I think, the previous um, edition interviewing uh, uh, Rach Cartwright, yep. who's a Team GB and Bracknell Queen Bees player and amazing. And um, and Scott's back tonight. He he managed to bag another amazing interview this time with Saffron Allen. Yes. And so Saffron Allen, do you know? Do you want to talk about Saffron Allen? No, you go for it. You probably okay. know more than me. So Saffron Allen, also a Team GB player and an amazing, um, uh, basically semi-pro uh, women's hockey player here in the UK. Uh, an amazing talent. I think that if uh, uh, the likes of Saffron and um, and Rachie Cartwright, if they were in North America, they'd be playing some pretty top flight hockey there for sure. Oh, 100%, yeah. The, these, uh, these ladies are good players. And there's others too, and we'll try and get some more of them on the, sh- on the, uh, on the podcast um, as, as we go on. But these uh, are definitely yeah. two of the best in the country. Yeah, I, I was going to say something though. Like, if, if you think about the caliber of, of, of women's hockey here as well, it's really good, right? And like as as you said, most of these most of these women could probably play in some team in North America, you know, Definitely. like top flight. And like that 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 begs to th- uh, that begs to think about the idea of if uh, the NWHL were to do almost like a tour. Yep. And if they were to come to a a country like this and play one of uh, our top flight teams. Yeah. And I reckon we'd do well, you know. Yeah. And no. I, I I reckon it'd be a good game, and that could also help grow the sport a bit more, you know, if it, if it was almost like a GB versus america or just like um their own teams kind of thing and you uh you have uh like for example the new nwhl toronto team yeah if they came to england and played uh, sorry and played the uh, queen bees and played the uh uh who, who else who else am i thinking of the, t- the team in sheffield Remember? yeah yeah go on keep yeah going. But if they if they came and started playing uh teams like uh like like this here it would it would not only grow the, grow the game here but it would also uh, grow the game back in their own country because it would draw a lot more attention as almost like an international game. Yeah. 
and a lot of international games draw a lot more attention especially with that that's why the nhl do their um, special games you know yeah in different countries so yeah absolutely right and i had just while you're saying that sorry for sounding slightly no, no, distracted no i'm scro- scrolling back through my um twitter uh, because I had an exchange with with Rachel Cartwright about this on Twitter, and she met, she brought up this amazing stat. Now I'm trying. Oh, I think I might have found it. Now, what Rachel was saying was, yeah, okay, Rachel. I ho- if you're listening, I hope you don't mind. I'm going to quote your your uh, tweet here. It says, "Crazy stats here. England, UK, Scotland has the fourth most female hockey players registered anywhere." Compare that to GB Women World Ranking of 23rd in the world, right? So the point that she's making here, and she's making an excellent one, is how can a country have the fourth most female hockey players registered in the sport in the world and be 23rd on the world stage of hockey? And there's there's only one answer to that, and it's not for lack of talent. It's not for lack of a pool of talent. It's for lack of support to the sport. And so um, we've been talking about this now, I think, basically since we started, certainly the last couple of years. Uh, Rachel raises such an amazing point here. It's if you've got that much grassroots talent, that many people registered to play in a sport, that puts you in the top five in the world for for your talent pool, and yet you're performing at 23rd, you've got to ask some serious questions to your national sporting bodies as to why this sport is not being represented better. So I, I look forward to dredging that point up and, um, and we'll do some more shouting about it. Um, definitely, we, you know, we're big supporters of women's hockey and, um, and that is an amazing thing that we should uh, look into more and we'll talk about certainly more. Anyway, I want to leave plenty of time because I know um, Scott really gets into th- um, a great discussion with Saffron in his interview. Yeah. And so we should uh, we should tee that up. Okay. Here we go. Right. So I'm pleased to announce that we are joined by Solihull Vixens forward and current GB women's captain Saffron Allen. So Saffron, hello and welcome to the UK Hockey uh, Fan Podcast. Hi, yeah. Thank you. Um, so I guess it's, it's a bit of a strange time at the minute for everyone with what's going on. So how are you doing and what are you doing to keep yourself busy during these uh, crazy times? It is crazy times, absolutely. Um, I mean, what can we do? I mean, we're all in the same boat, uh, just trying to keep busy, really. Uh, you know, not used to all the free time. Um, yeah. I think I think uh, everyone's going to have the most pristine houses and gardens uh, <laughs> that we've ever had, I think, at the end of this time. But, um, yeah, just, you know, jobs that we don't get time usually to do around the house and in the garden and help my parents and also keeping in touch with people because I think it's a, it's, a, it's a long time that if we're used to being you know, around lots of people all the time and especially in ice rinks and, you know, with your team every week and things. I think it's important to, to keep in contact and, um, and yeah, you know, don't lose touch in, in these strange times. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you say, it's so strange, but at the same time, there are positives to come from it. So, you know, things like the housework's getting done a bit better in the gardening and, you know, my garden, I've, I've not seen it for, well, a couple of, a few months now and all of a sudden I'm, I'm green fingered. So, yeah, there's definitely positives to come from it. Yeah. So taking it back a little, um, how did you first get into playing hockey and I guess where did it all start? Um, so originally I was, we were from uh, down south near Guildford, um, we moved up when I was very young um, and actually my, my dad started a new business and 
and somebody said to him in the office, uh, he was finding things to do at the weekends and, you know, keep us entertained, me and my brother. Uh, and he said, my, my brother plays ice hockey at Telford. Uh, I'll get you some tickets. Why not Why not go down and, and have a watch? Um, and we did exactly that. And uh, shortly after, my brother um, was invited to a, a skating party at Telford. He went along and absolutely loved it and took to the ice like, you know, it was something he'd always done and saw a beginner's poster um, on the wall and went back to my parents and said, I want to try this, I want to try this. So, that you know, they they allowed him and started on the beginner's programme and I begged and begged and begged until they eventually gave in. I think uh, my mum tried to bribe me with everything that she could, every dress, every... <laughs> you know, animal, every, you know, <laughs> anything that you could, but um, I did uh, eventually get around them and um, they, uh, they, they signed me up. Oh, wow. Yeah, great story. And it's often you find that way with siblings and siblings go into it and then they follow each other. I mean, there's there's loads of players over the years who've done similar. So um, were there any particular players that you looked up to um, when you st- first started playing? So like you say, you went to watch Telford play. Were there any players you kind of um, really appreciated the skill or um, were impressed by? Yeah, I mean, um, to be honest, I was I was more fascinated by the game. I just mm. loved the the speed of the game, the the um, you know the adrenaline going through the game, the atmosphere, the crowd, and I was just in love with the game straight away. Um, but one of my the players I mainly kind of looked up to was at the time Daniel McCrill, known as Bunsley oh, yeah. in Telford. Um, and uh, and Claude Dumas was there at the time, and they were just like the big names, you know, the goal mm. scorers at the time. And um, but yeah, I mean, I I did, as I said, I did look up to a few players, but mainly it was just it was just the the, the game and the difference in, you know, my my dad and brother always had football on the telly, and yeah. I, no, it was it wasn't ever you know something that that interested me as as you know um, too much. But no, I just I just got absolutely. Um, well, captured by the game, really. Yeah, I mean, it's it's such a great game. It's got a mixture of everything, isn't it? The speed, the skill, uh, the physicality, and, and I think that's what makes it so unique. Yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a full all-round game, and it's still a family sport, which is nice. So, you know, you, you can take the little ones and everyone to the game to watch, and everybody seems to enjoy it. So, it's um, yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's a great game to be involved in. Yeah, absolutely. So for listeners that don't know, you're the captain of the GB women's team. Do you remember that first time you pulled on that prestigious GB jersey and, and how that felt? Of course, yeah. It was absolutely surreal almost, unbelievable. Um, I actually played seniors um, before under-18s just because of how oh, wow. the tournaments fell. Um, and I was 16 two days before the first game of the World Championships um, in Cannes in France, which was... Um, back in 2010, I think it was. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, so that was my first um, tournament. Uh, and as I say, to, to play seniors before under 18, so it was pretty amazing, really. Um, mm. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely remember it. And it was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, amazing, amazing memory. Yeah, absolutely. So... I mean, you've you've been a part of the GB team for near enough the last ten years now, as you mentioned, two thousand and ten in Cannes in France. Um, but are there any? Well, there's probably loads, but any particular favourite moments for your time with GB? There are. I mean, as you say, I think every time you call on the shirt is a special moment. But mm. uh, for me, my first goal was actually that tournament, and it was against France, who are obviously oh, now wow. flying high in the, the you know the, the the top groups. So. Mm. Um, yeah, for me it was it was my first goal against 
against them. Um, but as you say, that there's many moments um, that I could easily, you know, go into and team moments and even stuff that's off the ice, you know. Um, I mean, the tournament in Bled, Slovenia, that we mm. had uh, probably five years ago now, that was just an incredible tournament, a fantastic team to play with um, and an amazing place as well. It's amazing to see such, you know, wonderful places around the world as mm. well as, the games that you're involved in so yeah lots and lots of moments uh from gb but the one that definitely does stand out is that it was that first goal definitely. yeah absolutely they always stay with you the first goals um but sort of go to go on to a more um i guess somber note you sustained a really bad injury um in 2012 in Olympic qualifying in China so you slipped two discs in your back and you couldn't play for 14 months so can you talk us through that experience and the road to recovery yeah um so it was in the second game of the Olympic qualifiers. Um, it was an unfortunate kind of incident. Um, and, yeah, so at the time it was a nice big trip to hospital. Um, and in China, their medical care is somewhat <laughs> different to ours, let's say. Um, yep. <laughs> and, yeah, so I, I was stuck out there um, for a couple of weeks. They couldn't get me home um, so they couldn't sort of repatriation plan out. Um and unfortunately, the, the disc had had an impact on my spinal cord, so um, which left me unable to walk for a while. So, um, following the the, the um, trip home, so I did get home eventually. Um, and at the time, Anna Walters, the, the manager, stayed out there with me um, as well because I was seventeen, so I was mm. still a minor. Um, and yeah, it was at the time that sports therapist Kirsty Hopgood was looking after me, All and right. pretty much is. Is why is why I'm back playing now. Um, she got the the um, rehab and the, the treatment that she did was absolutely incredible. She was travelling up from Gloucester. Um, I was doing rehab for hours and hours upon end each day, um, and, and she was she was coming up for hands on treatment as and when she could around her full work commitment. Um, so yeah, there was a it was a long 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 time, um, but. You know, we got there, and um, and to say, I'm, I was back 14 months later. That was my first uh, World Championship game again um, in Asiago, Italy. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, another special moment, I guess, as well to add that we got back after that. So yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, quite a unique story. And you mentioned about the, the uh, care you received from Kirsty Hopgood, the sports therapist. And I believe now you're a sports therapist yourself. So did going through that such a bad injury at such a young age at 17 have some bearing in your career choice? Or have you always kind of had the idea that you wanted to be a sports therapist maybe before that? I was always interested in, um, obviously, sports and things around sports, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it um but yes it definitely had an impact um I after that I just wanted to help uh the people in hard times and you know once they've had injuries and help them recover and and do what Kirsty helped me do um to other athletes and Mm. so yes it definitely um definitely did uh, draw me towards a sports therapy degree um and she was, in fact, was at the time a lecturer as well in sports therapy, so she was able to give me a nice big insight into what the degree entailed and, and where it could lead and, and everything like that. So, yes, it definitely did have a, a big impact on why I chose the career I, I have. 
Awesome. So having such a bad injury, um, does it give you a different kind of outlook um, to the sport? So I know, for example, when I'm injured and, and I've been off the ice for a while, I did my MCL um, about November time last year. And you have that time away to reflect and think about things. And, and for me, it made me appreciate the sport and my, and my teammates more. So did it have a similar impact with yourself? It definitely did, yeah. Um, as I say, it's a little bit like these times, and say the social side of things. You, it's it's very difficult being away from it if um, if you're so used to being surrounded by teammates and training and schedules and this and that. And yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, and also, you know, it, it is said coaches say it quite a lot that every shift could could be a last. It really could. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, unfortunately, the incident that I um, had was in the first shift of the game. Um, so it really could be any shift, you know, and yeah. um, it did also make me appreciate that there's a, a life outside hockey as well, unfortunately, as much as I'd love to say it's hockey, 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 mm. um, you know, it, it did bend me down to get a career behind me, um, because things can change so quickly as well, so at the time I was p- potentially going to go abroad and play abroad and having offers and different things, and I was, you know, thinking about, but uh, I did decide to stay and get my you know, um, college qualifications and go on to go on to university and have a career that I could always fall back on if if needed. So yes, it definitely, um, yeah, made me made me think um, differently. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> Going back to more present day, the women's team were due to play in the World Championships in the Division 2 Group A tournament in Jacker in Spain at the end of March. Obviously, it's um, been announced that, um, earlier this month uh, or earlier in March, sorry, that it was cancelled due to the coronavirus. So I guess, you know, it was inevitable, but you and the girls must be gutted still nonetheless. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it was always, I think what we found hardest at the, at the you know, when it, when it first came out was, it was quite an early call considering everything else really was still going on. You know, Cheltenham was mm. still to come and things like that. So we kind of thought, hang on, why, you know, why our tournament? But absolutely, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that it was all and Double um, HF have obviously gone on to announce cancellation of, of all the other tournaments um, from ours forward. So, um, it was, it was definitely, obviously the right, the right call and we all need to, of course, just stay stay as safe as we can and um, and get through the times. But yeah, it is it, you know obviously gutting. Uh, you work all year round for your for your place, and you know we've a big tournament. We've been playing all the under twenties games, uh, training obviously on and off the ice, getting committing to to training camps and games and off ice and everything you can. And yeah, for it to be called off relatively short notice as well is is gutting, but. As you say, it's, it it had to happen, and it's um, yeah for the best. And as I say, the most important thing is, is safety. So um, yeah, there, there will be other tournaments, and we've just got to head for those now, I suppose. And, um, and yeah, get back up and running when when everything settles down, and, and go again. Yep, absolutely. So domestically, you play for the Solihull Vixens, who you captain, and you've been with them for the last four years. Uh, this year, you were crowned league champions. So how did that feel? Yeah, um, different. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we 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 obviously all wanted to play the full season. Mm. Um, yes, it's it was nice for the league to say that we've come out on top. Brilliant, yeah. But as I say, we we had an exciting end to come and playoffs to come. Um, and you know, it's 
as I say, it's it's great. Yes, we we were doing really well, um, mm. and it's it's nice for the league to to say that we we finished on top. Um, but we we all would have liked to finish the season. Um, but you know, we'll come out harder next season, and we've got we've got all this time to get in our gardens and train. So we've got no excuses to to come out um, even even harder next next season. So. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's really come down to the wire this year, as it has done, you know, in previous years um, between yourselves and the Bracknell Queen Bees, who have really sort of, um, between the both of you, um, have had great successful seasons. Um, Season, obviously, we mentioned was cut short. There were six games left remaining and uh, only one point between yourself and the Queen Bees. So do you think the league should have maybe crowned no winner like the Elite League have done? Or do you think it was like the right decision to have done what they did, essentially? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know. You know, it's it's one of those I don't because we've never been in a situation before. I, mm. You know, we weren't expecting anything really to come out of it. Um, as I say, yes, for them to say, "Well done, you finished on top. You, you've got the league." It was nice, mm. um, but as I say, we didn't expect to be, you know, given a, a standing, if you like. Um, and as I say, we we all in all the teams, not just um, us and Bratton, I think we all wanted to obviously finish the season and it felt like we had a bit of unfinished business you know with the games that we did have left um, if you like and as I say a, a really close playoff run no doubt yeah. Um, so so yeah it was it was one of those I think you know they um, all the leagues have seemed to have done slightly different in all the in the sport so some have crowned some haven't mm. um, and as I say yes it's, it's a nice and you know, but um, we're we're no doubt wanting to go out next season and uh, and win it as a as a full season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So. Um, obviously we've talked about them a little bit but the Queen Bees have, have certainly been successful in recent years winning eight straight sort of league titles And but this year like we said it's gone really down to the wire between um, yourselves and the Queen Bees so how do you find that rivalry with them? Is it easier to sort of get up for those games and, and be really pumped for them? I think in our league now there aren't really any easy games mm. so I think you have to you know you have to be ready for every game and you know whether you're at the top of the league or the bottom of the league um, each team can come out and, and produce a result so I think yeah. um, the Bracknell games uh, I find all the games good now since, uh, you know especially since that league changed a few years ago um, but the Bracknell games are always fun you know we it's it's an exciting time for us I think as a solid old team we've got a good uh, team Mm. at the moment and we're looking forward to building and building for the future with the, the players that we've got and um, and I'm sure the other teams are, are the same and the, the games and the, the rivalry will continue and uh, continue to grow in the league it's, as I say it's, um, there's always exciting results and slightly shock results you know, that come out so it, it keeps all the teams on the toes really um, and makes a, a good season so yeah the Bracknell games are always 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 good always good so it's a shame not to so um, have the last two against them this season. Yeah, absolutely. So on a more personal sort of viewpoint, you are you finished joint top uh, of the point standings with teammate and fellow GB player Jody Bloom uh, with Katie Emery as well, obviously, on your team not too far behind. Um, I know players tend to not really go for personal accolades because, you know, it's more team first goals generally. But yeah, I guess it's nice, though, to, to finish top of the point standings, isn't it? And it's nice to have all three of us at the top of the table um, on the point score for sure. So, um, especially all being on a line, um, showing that 
we, we, we can work well and we can uh, pass the puck about and put the puck in the net, which is, yeah. is nice. <laughs> it's only taken a few years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think all three of us and all our teammates would agree, you know, goals are nice, but we need to be winning the games as well. So um, it's not really about the, the individual points. As long as the, the team are getting the points on the board, um, we're all happy. But yeah, of course, it, it's nice, as I say, it's nice to be putting the putting the puck in the in the net um, as a line especially and uh, yeah so it was a shame really not to to have the GB tournament um, uh, you know to to go and hopefully do the same there Jody I'm sure feels the same um, but yeah whilst we're on the, a good good scoring streak we could have could have done with the world championships and hopefully put a couple in the net but we'll <laughs> we'll keep moving forward for, for the next tournament. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned about um, obviously when you're scoring and whatnot, it's, it helps. And I mean, it just goes to show how important confidence is in hockey, doesn't it? And, and like yeah. you say, after such a successful season, you know, with yourself and Jody and, and whatnot, it would have been nice to have taken that form into the GB sort of games. But I guess it's it's not meant to be, but it's you've got to take the positives from, from things where you can, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, as I say, there'll be other tournaments and uh, as long as we keep moving forward, then uh, all good, really. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, is there an area of game that you'd like to improve and if so, what would that be? Um, I think currently I want to work on quick release. So, I'm I'm a player that would, well, takes too long to to shoot if I I do shoot and will always favour a deke if I can. So, for me, I'm trying to work on um, a bit of a quick release on shooting really um, but, but obviously you know you want to I'm always trying to um, improve my all round game so each training I'm, you know put everything into it to improve off the ice I can, do what I can fitness wise and um, so yeah so as a specific probably my, my shooting, uh, really shooting at the moment but, um, but really I, I try and um, keep pushing on with everything yeah, just to be a good all-round player, sort of defensively as well and, and whatnot. And, and, and yeah, it's important to have that all-round game, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's, um, as you say, each player, the, the you know, more all-round they are, then the better and hopefully more effective they are in a team. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, talking about the women's game as a whole, how do you think it could um, grow in the UK and what would be the dream setup ideally, do you think? I mean, dream setup professionally or semi-professionally um, mm. I, I know I'm not alone in saying it's very difficult to balance a life and competing um, you know we have as clubs we don't have any fi- financial support mm. uh, and you know comparing with the men's where they get the, the, obviously the financial support the medical support all the little things that go around yeah. um, the players in a team um, you know the, the women's teams are completely player run Financially, you know, it's um, it's it's difficult, and even trying to keep in the you know the national team and everything, trying to fit in training and as much ice time as you can around a full time job, and you know some players have got children and you know all sorts, so it's very difficult to to keep a high uh, competition level um, mm. whilst also having a life balance as well. So um, I think also that would that would have a massive impact on the national setup if. There was a bit more support of the the club side, um, and also I think it would uh, would massively impact on the amount of players uh, in the women's game that are going abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think obviously if, if they were they were more enticed to stay, 
the club standard and then obviously the national standard because they'd be here training at the, at the uh, camps and everything. That would all, you know, be on the be on the rise as well. So that obviously would be a dream setup. But um, but yeah, I mean, as clubs, any kind of support would uh, would, would benefit. I think the game over here. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned about um, players looking to go abroad. I know in the men's game, there's been quite a few younger players do it recently. And I know in the women's game, there's um, players have gone to Sweden to play and, and there's a really good league over there um, as well. So is that something you'd suggest that players do if they are sort of wanting to make a career um, professionally or semi-professionally to try and um, go over overseas to get the opportunities over there and, and try a different hockey experience? I mean, it's, I was always, as I say, I was offered um, different places all over the world and I turned them down and say mainly probably because of my back, um, mm-hmm. looking back at it. But um, I've got lots of teammates that have, have um, been over this season, experienced playing in different leagues in different countries around the world and they've, they've always said it's been an amazing time. Um, but a lot of them have then come back um, to mm-hmm. settle down. Um, a lot of the leagues out there still aren't professional um, will give you enough to live on so you haven't again to work yeah. alongside an even tougher hockey schedule really um, so in a way I'd kind of say you know if, if I'd actually say if more players could stay here the better because the, the, the standard of the leagues will increase even even further um, and as I say the national programme will, will increase further because the players are, more players are here for the for the camps you know um, uh, so yeah I mean don't get me wrong, it sounds like you have an amazing time and amazing experience and, you know, but I, I can't say I've lost out really in, in staying here and playing over here, so. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to both, I guess, isn't there really? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So uh, hockey players are known to be superstitious. We can be quite a weird bunch at times. Um, do you have any sort of pre-game, we'll call them routines, um, that you like to follow rather than superstitions or anything um, particular like that you like to do to get ready? Um, a couple. I'm not really one of the, the, the big superstitious players. Um, I, again, I've got a couple of teammates that are. <laughs> um, mainly for me, kicking left before right, which is quite a common one apparently. Um, and also round the nest um, in the team huddle just before the game. I'm always stood, if you're facing the net, I'm always stood on the right post on the goal line. Um, and will hit my stick on the, the post and then onto the ice um, before I start the team talk. Um, so really they're my only two ones um, but yeah there's plenty that go around the changing room definitely <laughs> yeah absolutely so uh, I, might, I might put you on the spot here then and uh, tell us um, a couple of ones what your teammates do what are a little bit maybe quirky uh, ooh quirky um, I mean there's a lot of music ones um, there's different um, taping your stick um, kind of kind of um, superstitions Yeah, absolutely. So music's obviously a big part of hockey and any locker room's got um, a locker room DJ normally. So what's the sort of pre-game tunes and do you have like um, a, a winning song as well that you play? Um, oh, we have, it sounds uh, a bit weird, we kind of have quite a few sing-along really All in right. the, the women's game we tend to. Um, 
not really. I mean, as it gets closer to the game, it gets a bit more beaty and a bit more, mm. um, you know, pump up music. But um, no, I think in in the women's changing room, we're, we're, we're a bit partial to anything, really. Um, yeah, so yeah, anything goes, really. A real mixed bag, I well, guess. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so... Um... <laughs> control. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. That's always a a determining factor, isn't it? So who gets there first and uh, who's got the iPod at the go and whatnot. Um, But yeah, what sort of things do you like to do away from the rink um, to, you know, whether that's, um, you know, do you like to watch any, binge watch any series or is there anything that you like to do to just relax, really? Um, Not really. I'm not a big screen watcher really mm. um i tend to get bored and want to get up and do something so yeah. um as i say i am usually around hockey it's one way or another um if not family time of some description whether it be you know a day out or um doing things with the family or um but yeah just uh again a couple of evenings relaxing and nice um that's what we'll watch a film or whatever but yeah not 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 too much really i uh as i say i like to be up and active so um try and keep on the go that sounds good so uh final question now sort of we we mentioned a bit about the future and hopefully gb tournaments to come in the future and whatnot but what are your ambitions hockey wise for the future whether that's domestically um or whether that's with gb i think um for me at the moment is keeping my place in gb um i don't think uh, I'm quite ready to hang up the skates yet so um, for me it's just working hard and as I said, maintaining my place in the team really uh, domestically I do want to win both the league and the playoffs um, and that, as I say with the team we've got at the moment I think it's possible so it'll be quite nice to, to see where next season um, goes um, but yeah GB again I, I, I just like to get out the group that we're in um, we've come very, very close a couple, well, a few times now. So um, it'd be nice to to get up into the the one B above. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see where the next few seasons go. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. It's been great chatting to you and the listeners will uh, really love having that insight into, you know, your your career and, and how things have gone. And uh, yeah, we really thank you for your time and appreciation. Lovely, thanks for having me. You're welcome. Such a great interview there. Scotty, such a great guy. Um, Safra and Alan, such a, a fantastic player. We're so grateful for her um, doing that interview and coming on the podcast. Scott is obviously, for those people that are regular listeners, is is a, our UK guy. He's got, really got his finger on the pulse of hockey here in the UK. He, he knows hockey um, in Europe and uh, the NHL and that sort of thing too. Um, but uh, he lives in Sheffield, which is a big hockey town here. We talked about it before. And uh, and he plays for the, he, he himself plays for the Sheffield Ice Tigers. So uh, great to have them both on the on the podcast this week. Fantastic. Yeah, and it's always it's also really interesting, uh, especially how Saffron got into the sport, and the fact that she really pushed to <laughs> to get into hockey, which is really cool. And uh, the fact of how she, how committed and how good she is at the sport is so good. Yeah, you know? no, it's fantastic. So um, we're so lucky to have had both Rachel Cartwright and Saffron Allen on in the last um, couple episodes. Both of them are huge advocates for the sport here. And there are others. I don't mean to say that they're the only two. They are fantastic um, folks. 
But uh, anybody, anyone else that's involved in women's hockey that wants to come on and uh, or just wants us to talk about something, or you've got a topic that you'd like us to dig into or a team you'd like us to talk about, or hey, you just want to come on the podcast, just reach out to us on social media. You'll probably get us easiest on Twitter or Instagram. And come on, come on the show. Anyway, uh, we should jump off because we're trying to keep these episodes a little shorter than normal. Um, because we know people have got stuff to do, <laughs> or don't, I don't know. I mean, this is our longest of the short ones so far. <laughs> it is, it's approaching normal length. Anyway, um, just a couple quick shout-outs then, um, I suppose. Now, one of the thing, one of the people that I really wanted to um, ca- um, highlight, we usually talk about them on normal episodes as well, and that's uh, Crosscheck Clothing. Yes. So these are friends of ours who have a business up in Rotherham, which is uh, near Sheffield and sort of the northern part of the country. And um, and they started up uh, uh, this amazing hockey-based business, I think, in 2012, I'm going to say. So they've been going for a solid eight years, at least. Sorry, guys, if I got that wrong. Um, and um, everybody know, in the UK knows here that we are indebted to the men and women of the uh, NHS, who are, t- are basically our saviors over here. And, and there will be similar organizations everywhere else in the world, anywhere you're listening to, you, whoever your medical people are that are protecting us all and doing their best to comfort um, those people that are suffering from the, this horrible virus. Anyway, Crosscheck Clothing um, decided that uh, their business sort of dropped, the, the bottom fell out of the business like everybody else's. And so the first thing that they did is they said, hey, I think, w- you know, we've got, the, we've got the ways and means here to support the NHS. So instead of cranking out straight hockey shirts for a while, they decided to make a uh, support the NHS t-shirt and sell them with the proceeds going to support the NHS here. Uh, we bought a couple. Yes. They're awesome. And uh, from what I can see on social media, they've sold tons of these. And I know that they've raised quite a bit of money for um, the NHS. It's kept them busy. So hats off to those guys. They're doing a great job. I know there are other people out there helping out the NHS too. But I just wanted to mention Crosscheck Clothing. Great bunch of people doing a great thing um, helping out our NHS here. And so instead of thanking everybody else that we would traditionally thank um, that are involved closely in the hockey world, I think that we're just going to take the opportunity to thank all you medical people out there, anywhere that anybody's listening. And we know that you're out there in 55 different countries and um, wherever you are um, and, and here where we are, we owe a huge debt as a society to the medical people that are putting everything on the, on the line for us to keep us safe. And, um, and when we get through the other side of this, every country is going to have to look very seriously at how they're funding their healthcare systems um, because it's, it's broken and it will badly need to be fixed. That's all I'm going to say. I don't usually... That sounds, <laughs> sounds like a John, Don Cherry rant. I'm just going to change the name of this podcast to Political Podcast. <laughs> this is the most political podcast we've <laughs> ever had. Anyway, everybody out there, thanks for listening to us. Please stay safe. Um, if you can stay home, do stay home. This is a time when, you know, the, it's crazy, but the best thing that you can do for everybody else is to stay in your house uh, until we're told otherwise. So we'll keep coming back with more episodes. Um, so hang out, hang in there, and uh, and we'll be back soon. Yeah, that's good. That's it from us. We'll speak to you soon. See you guys. the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game.